0: Up being a thing where you know they're following all these accounts and it's an endless barrage of just you know um, Quavo buying Smiti a, fi- a half car. <laughs> you know, I'm you, oh my god! And, 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 and then you're wondering why your boyfriend can't afford that car because. <laughs>
1: Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Successful Failures. hope you've all had a really good week and if you're new to this podcast, I'm Almina, And I'm Rebecca. And this is essentially a podcast where we sit down with some really cool people and dive into their stories of failure and struggle and challenge um, to inspire success. So we really hope you enjoy this episode and yeah, let's get into it.
2: Yeah, so we're super excited for who we have today. So we're joined by Maldo Jallo, um, the founder of Prime Years and associate at the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change. a board trustee for To Bridge the Gap, among other things. But, you know, I'll let him introduce himself better. Um, so, yeah, Mauro, we're so happy to have you on.
0: Thank you, guys, and really looking forward to the conversation.
2: That's great. Cool. So you I maybe tell, the, tell the listeners a bit about you, you know, where you're from, what you're up to these days.
0: So uh, I'm from the smallest country on the African continent uh, called Gambia. It's the, the Gambia. And um, I am also sort of, I grew up in Ghana for a large period of my life. So Ghana is sort of my second home, and that's where I live at the moment. Um, in terms of work, uh, I think you've pretty much covered it in your introduction, uh, but I usually am interested in um, anything to do with sort of looking at how um, economically, we can progress as, as a continent. So not just looking at my country or Ghana, where I grew up, but just the whole continent, and, and looking at economic progress, particularly around jobs and providing jobs for young people. Um, so when it's not sort of looking at policies, it's looking at how one can inspire um, young people and get them thinking about how best to um, integrate themselves within you know, these <laughs> really complex economic structures that we have. Uh, you know, in front of us that for most young people is really confusing, you know, especially when you're coming out of uni or school. So that's really what I'm most passionate about. Um, So everything that I do, um, everything that you mentioned in, in the opening is related to that in some way or form.
1: That's so cool. Okay, we will talk more about that later and find out more about all of our stories. But if you're a regular listener, you already know what's coming. We have to ask each of us what we have failed this week at. So, Rebecca, you're up first. What have you failed at?
2: Okay, yeah. So, um, this week, so basically this week, I wanted to try and start doing some home workouts because I really haven't exercised or gym <laughs> exercise or anything like that in a very, very long time. But, you know, didn't you know? It's hasn't routine. worked out so it's far routine. this week. Really? have not worked out so far this week, but you know, we go again.
0: We go again. Because <laughs> <We go again.
2: laughs> <Back laughs> you said, the home workout they like no, no. You really tried. <laughs> you no, know, because one time I was going on a run. Yeah. Like, home workouts are different.
0: Like I, I, I was really like about to go in another direction, but then now that you said that, I mean, you know, it's it's really. You're failing at something that's actually something that you've been regularly doing. So it's not even that bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: how about you, Mal? What would you say for this? Um,
0: I've been, well, on in line with what you were saying, actually, uh, you know, not to piggyback, but, you know, to piggyback. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I've been trying to eat more, uh, sort of less carbs, and I've been mm. trying to be more healthy, just generally in my diet, because um, you know it's it's one of those things that I've been saying to myself for a long time and also I don't have a lot of time to go to the gym um, so most of the time what I find is you know eat, eating in a much more healthy way is uh, I guess when people say 70% of the journey um, so I'm trying to get you know with that and, and this week hasn't been a particularly good week for that so you know, I guess that's one way in which I've failed this week
2: I mean, we go again next week. <laughs> um,
1: and gonna, how about you? Um, okay, I think what I failed this week actually happened today. But oh. um, I'm like relearning Spanish at the moment, <laughs> um, and I was on like Duolingo, and basically on like the free version, you have like hearts or like lives. Um, you have five hearts, and I ran. I like made so many mistakes, and I ran out of my five hearts. So I was like X from the platform, which was a bit peak. Um, but, like, I'm just even proud that I'm even this dedicated to relearning Spanish Hopefully, <laughs> I'll be, like, better at my Spanish because of all the damn mistakes I made today. <laughs> but, you know, as we like say, we go again.
2: Okay, so I guess it's time to get into, you know, the main body of the episode. Uh, so to start, Marlo, um we normally ask this to a lot of our guests coming on, uh, since, you know, our topic is, is failure and how it shapes where you are today, so... Would you say there are any defining failures that have set you on your current life or career path?
0: Oh my God! Yes. Like, where do I even begin? I have several. <laughs> I have several examples. Um, but but one thing. I mean, uh, you know, for I don't know how much your listeners know or will know about me. Um, but one thing about me is that uh, my whole, I guess, what you would call the successes that I've had because I don't see myself yet as being successful. Um, but the successes that I've had I have usually all been following failures or um, they've all, in in, I guess as a whole, been driven by the failures that I've had in the past, right? Um, yeah. From a motivation standpoint, from a growth standpoint, from uh, just learning and... and, and um, you know, being a part of the process standpoint, they've been incredibly important. Um, and for me, uh, you know, just to give you an example, and I apologize to people who will be listening to this podcast that sort of already know me and heard me speak about this, you know. <laughs> but um, one one thing that has driven me throughout my life is the fact that, you know, I was never um, put down in, in the yearbook as the guy who's going to be successful or the guy who's going to be um, doing X or doing Y, right? Like, I I wasn't, you know, teachers never really looked at me and thought, okay, this guy is going to be, you know, successful. And and apart from maybe my history teacher, who that was the only subject in school that I did really well at, um, you know, and, and that was for various reasons. But one of them was just, you know, I was young and I didn't really take school seriously. You know, I always had report cards that said, you know, he's smart, but, you know, he's not really um, applying himself and things like that. Um, And it was only uh, after a while when I failed um, my first year, uh, well, several subjects in my first year at uni that I really began to turn things around. And then, you know, I went over to Brussels for a year abroad and I failed some subjects there as well. And that was the point where I really sat myself down. It was kind of like having a a conversation with myself. And I said, look, you know, this is not sustainable. And, you know, you really need to get your act together. And to this day, I mean, to the point of recording this podcast, um, it was at that point that all of this generated, you know, sort of was derived from. It was that point where I said, "Okay, it's time to change things around. And, you know, the next year in uni, I had a first for that year. Um, but unfortunately, because I hadn't done very well, um, previously, I only ended up with a two one, um, at the end of my Mm -hmm. undergrad. Um, but it was enough to get me into the uni that I wanted to go to for my master's. So that was the point where, you know, once I got into that uni and I did my master's and then sort of went on from there, that was the turning point in my life. So yes, failure absolutely defined me and it continues to define me even today. You know, some of the things that I'm doing now that you mentioned in the introduction, um, came out of failures.
1: That's really interesting. I was wondering if um, past failures, you said obviously it's defined where you are now, but I was wondering if any failures sort of haunt you or perhaps um, like contribute to any sort of insecurities that you might have or like when you're going into situations, do you remember past failures
0: and how you deal with that moving forward? Yeah, I mean, again, absolutely. So for a long time, I had this fear and insecurity about just, was I good enough, really? Like, was I smart enough? Was I um, sort of capable enough to land a job at a a consulting firm? Because I had always admired people that worked for sort of McKinsey's, Dalberg's, and, you know, um, those types of organizations, BCG and so on. Um, And for a long time, I mean, for about two years or something, I was applying to different consulting firms and I never really got past the second, you know, sort of the second stage of interviews, um, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, being offered anything. So it really became this insecurity of mine because, um, you know, it's very easy to tell yourself that, you know, look, I'm, uh, I graduated from these universities, I'm a smart person, blah, blah, blah. Um, But then if, you know, you're applying, you're applying for jobs and no one wants to take you, then it almost becomes this thing where, you know, maybe you're just lucky to get to where you are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for a long time that became like an insecurity of mine and I was like I, maybe you know I'm in the public sector and I'm doing work in the public sector because no one in the pr- uh, private sector would ever hire me so that became like an insecurity of mine for a long time and then it was only last year that I you know sort of got rid of that insecurity because I finally got offers from um, sort of Dalberg which is an organization I went into or a company I went to work for for a very long time I mean I didn't take the offer but just receiving <laughs> the offer and and, and being offered a job that was even better than the one I applied for was just the validation I needed to say that, you know, really and truly, if I ever want to move into the private sector, um, I could, you know, um, because at some point, I was really insecure about that.
1: Um, As Rebecca kind of mentioned, when she was introducing you, she talked about um, prime years. And so we really, really wanted to talk to you about this whole concept and what the success and failure are defined or how they are defined um, in your brand that
0: is Prime Years? Absolutely. So so here's the thing. So Prime Years is um, it's a mentality, right, um, first and foremost. It's um, it's this thought that at any point in your life, you can decide that these are my Prime Years, and there's a certain mentality that goes with saying these are my Prime Years. So if you think about sports, which I'm a huge fan of sports, right, um, every player, every athlete has a period in their career known as their prime years. So, so the years where they're most capable at what they do. Right. And I think that's applicable to everyone in any, um, sort of career or business or whatever, where you can, um, really. So for, for people that aren't in sports so in sports, it's dependent on your body, right? So when your body is at peak performance, you know, you're able to, you know, score the most points or, um, you know, run the fastest or whatever it is. Um, but in sort of our world, sort of away from sports, um, it really is dependent on, on sort of how well your brain is functioning and, and just your drive and your motivation. Um, so for me, it just it was this idea that, look, you can decide for yourself that these are your primaries and act accordingly. And so what does that mean? It means that you take more risks. It means that you um, are more... Uh, forceful in in going after what you feel you deserve, it means that being young doesn't mean that you decide to wait 10, 20 years before you start going for what you think you deserve. Um, And that's really the mentality.
1: Has anything
0: gone wrong when organizing your events for prime years? Oh, my God. Yes. The thing about about this is, you know, like, um, I try to be very open on my social media just about when I have bad days and when I have Mm -hmm. good days and, you know, um, because I do feel like people don't really talk about their failures. And I really love the idea of this podcast because it's, really highlighting how failure isn't a bad thing and it's just a part of the process right mm-hmm. um and and for us i mean you know behind the scenes it might all seem really good because you know i have a great brand manager that works with me um you know her name is nana araba and if you ever need you know sort of anything to do with sort of graphic designing or anything like that she's amazing and i work with her on premieres. um you know she makes everything look good but behind the scenes you know every event we've had has at some point been, you know, we've been talking about should we cancel it for various reasons, you know, whether it's no. COVID, whether it's, you know, the venue not being up to what we expected, whether it's last minute things, whether it's one of our speakers being roughed up by bouncers at the door. Um, oh,
1: my God. And, you know, it's,
0: it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's insane the amount of things that we've had to do. But again, we, we learn from that. So some of the things that we've done now that make years so unique, is sort of what we learned from the first event and then the second event. And um, I'll give you an example, right? So the first event we did was at Sandbox. And for those of you who know Sandbox in Ghana, it's this sort of um, open-air restaurant. Really nice, sort of, is modeled after, I guess you would say, these um, sort of seaside restaurants in Greece. You know, Mm -hmm. very, uh, very nice. very looks very good. And it was amazing. It was a great venue for our first event. And... The pictures looked amazing. But behind the scenes, what people didn't realize was one um, event during a brunch that Sandbox was having, right, at the same time. So there was a lot of loud music playing. And the problem with that is the primaries events are also events where people are supposed to talk and network. And we have um, sections where we have speakers that come and talk to our audience about what they've done in their life. And they they provide sort of inspiration to, to the audience. You can't do that when you know Premier Gao is playing in the background and, and people are dancing <laughs> and shouting. You know, um, you know. So so, so, so that was really tough. And and you know, imagine we had um, the the founder and CEO of Springfield Group, which is the first um, you know sort of uh, oil. Uh, Ghanaian-owned oil company. You know, um, exploring in oil exploration in Ghana. And and this is you know someone who's. A huge deal, you know, and um, he's standing there and trying to speak to people, and he's having to scream on uh, you know, <laughs> as loud as he can to speak to people. And then I'm I'm there, sometimes sort of trying to speak to him, and he can't hear me. And then I'm sort of having to repeat what he says because some people can't hear him, and it's literally, you know, for anyone who's ever been to Ghana or lives in Ghana, you know. It was really hot, so it was like 35 degrees. <laughs> we're by the beach. There's no cover. It was it was a mess. But then, I'm looking at everyone, and everyone seemed to be having a great time. And then when we posted the pictures and and, and things like that, it looked amazing. But yeah. <laughs> it, you know, behind the scenes, it was a mess. And and then we had a, another issue where, you know, we had told them that we needed a space to move to when when so when we're not eating to be able to go and sort of sit down and um have a conversation um that space wasn't provided you know and this isn't me bashing sandbox it's just you know these are some of the things that i should have um paid more attention to but i didn't because it was my first event right um yeah so then that didn't happen you know so we weren't given the space so we had to do it um on the table and it was really awkward because it was a long table so people couldn't really see the speaker sometimes and Oh, my God. I could go on and on. But, but it's it's that sort of thing that just makes it impossible to even really, um, you know, sit here and say, oh, yeah, it's been great. And, you know, we haven't had any issues. We've had a ton of issues. And and there are a lot of, you know, and just a note on, you know, I know advice is for later and I'll give my granddad advice then. But,
2: you know, this, this
0: is just something that, you know, nowadays, every anything can look good on social media um but you know nothing nothing is as it seems and and I've learned that the hard way um just on the
1: topic of social media like what your thoughts are on social media and success like LinkedIn those kind of things and perhaps how it might have affected you or people that you know um and how you like push through kind of um sort of relentlessly seeing the so-called highlights of everyone else's lives
0: yeah, like this is something that I don't think anyone is really immune to this because as much as I know that social media is social media and it should only be taken with a pinch of salt um, at most times, you also know that some of it is reality. And, and, you know, now all you have to do is open your phone and, and you know, um, uh, you see what everyone else is doing. I mean, someone gave me this great analogy where, you know, before it was keeping up with the Joneses where you were only competing with your neighbors, right? Because those are the people you see all the time. So you're literally, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know if you guys remember that show from, it was in the UK called um, uh, Keeping Up Appearances with um, Mrs. Bouquet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so, so the whole concept behind that show is, is basically what life used to be about when it came to sort of comparing success. Yeah. But now I can be anywhere in the world. So, if, you know, for example, just imagine being in Ghana, coming from a less than privileged background, and you're constantly being bombarded with pictures yeah. of people, you know, sort of millionaires in Miami living it up, and then they're <laughs> like, "Are we on the same planet?" You know, <laughs> and these are people <laughs> like like me, and and you know, if you think about it in terms of school, you know, um, the same people you went to school with, you know, just because you were sitting in the same classroom doesn't mean you're going to have the same lives afterwards. You know, yeah. it becomes a huge inequality, and and that becomes an issue because people are affected by that, and um, there's this sort of huge issue of people having a very sort of um, uh, targets and, and, and realistic vision of what life really is about, and and that is worrying. Um, so for, for me, you know, I've constantly used social media, uh, I feel, to my benefit. I, I post much more than I view um, because I have a lot to say, I talk a lot, um, and... I feel like I have a lot of um, stuff that I'd like to share. So I actually use it to my benefit. I've benefited so much. I can't tell you how much I've benefited in my career and my personal life from my social media accounts. Um, And and that, to me, is the most important thing, is making sure that it's a tool that you use for yourself and that it doesn't become a thing that uses you, you know. And, and, And that is key because... Yeah, because when, when it becomes the other way around is when people have issues, right? But if you use it as a tool to do, to amplify the things that you're doing and get it out to more people for free, you know, um, there's nothing better than that. I mean, Prime Years, I didn't have to put any money into starting Prime Years. It was literally something I started on social media, and it became a business that's making me money on the side, right? And, and it cost me nothing because of social media. Yeah. You know, so so it's 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 incredible, like the the power that people have in their hands. Um, but unfortunately, instead of people using that power to do things that are positive, it it ends up being a thing where you know they're following all these accounts, and it's an endless barrage of just you Know, um, Quavo buying Sawiti a, fi- a half a million car, and and, and, and I'm know, back debate. Oh and, my god, I mean, you know, and then you're wondering why your boyfriend can't afford that car because it's unrealistic. <laughs> like, Quavo, Quavo probably can't afford that car, but he does it anyway. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, that's fact, that's fact. Um, and slightly diverting, but on the point of your social media, you know, I, I often see, um Drake lyrics or music on your posts and captions and stuff. yeah, of up course, Drake. of course. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, never been able to talk about it on the podcast. So finally, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's normally on posts. Has to do with premieres and like you know all your motivation. So it's just interesting to hear how how that all ties in for you because it's, it's a recurring theme I, I keep seeing. One
0: hundred, one hundred percent, and I feel like I resonate with Drake. And and the thing is. Um, people always ask me sort of why you know why Drake and things like that, and it's because people view Drake as a super successful guy that mm. came out of nowhere, and you know, um, and now is living this larger than lifestyle lifestyle, and they think okay maybe that's why. It's it's not that. It's actually because Drake was not supposed to be this successful as a rapper. It, it, you know, anyone you spoke to or anyone that was talking about Drake back in the day was you know they used to say things like hey you know this guy is a fraud he's a fake you know like there's no way this um half you know white kid that grew up um you know in canada with a white jewish mom is going to be the face of rap you know going forward it's yeah. just impossible you know um yeah and and people people said things like that about him you know and and um uh, it became a thing where it's like, okay, now people think it was so obvious that he's such a big star. But back in the day, it wasn't that obvious, and people didn't think it was going to go far. And Drake talks about that a lot in his music, but just maybe without saying it explicitly, you know, he'll say things like, you know, um, now everyone wants a favor, but back then you know, no one would pick up my calls. I mean, I, I, I can't think of a proper lyric right now, but it's something along those lines. And I resonate with that so much because, you know, now there are all these people sending me emails and, and, and messages and things like that that want me to yeah. sort of work with them or help them do something or or um, give them advice. But, you know, back in the day when, you know, um, again, the reference to sports, when I wasn't a number one draft pick, you know, um, yeah. no one wanted to see or hear from me. And, that's not just professionally, that's socially as well. You know, you know, you wouldn't get invited to all these cool parties. You wouldn't have all these sort of cool friends. You wouldn't be um, sort of called to do events and, and be invited, for example, Rebecca, as you know, to, to speak at the, uh, at the Africa Summit, right? Mm-hmm. These things just weren't happening. Um, and now that things have turned around, it's just the way life is. Then the other thing becomes keeping your feet on the ground and making sure you don't let it get to your head. Yeah. um and just making sure that you remain the same person because the same way how it changed it can change again you know yeah. so yeah. um so so that's why i resonate with drake it's, it's that element of it not the oh you know i have so much money and i have yeah. so many cars because i don't yeah
2: i <laughs> know <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what i thought but i just thought the listeners had to hear it too <laughs> and we had to break into this conversation somehow
1: <laughs> that's a super interesting point about um like the social aspect of success um and I kind of wanted to hear more about what or perhaps your thoughts about um I don't want to like suggest that people are being fake or stuff like that but perhaps how you decipher between when people are actually being genuine or when people like before wouldn't even um give you like they wouldn't even look at you and now they're like feigning admiration. I was wondering how you kind of feel with
0: that or like what your perspective is on it. Strange right and, and uh, again you know, with these things you always want to be careful what you say because you don't want people to take it the wrong way but um, you know uh, recently just moving back to Ghana for example right um, and remember I mentioned earlier that being in school um, I wasn't you know a, a number one draft pick like I wasn't Meant to make it or or do anything special, um, and and that wasn't only with teachers. It was it was sort of like with my peers as well. You know, it wasn't a thing. You know, I I, I love to make jokes and I was a comedian. You know, so no one really ah yeah he's funny, but you know no one really thought anything <laughs> of that. Um, you know, so so it was one of those things where um, back then you know it was cool and everything, but it wasn't really um, like it is now. So now coming back and coming back in a different capacity as someone who has experience and is working for this organization and has a much more expansive network and has managed to do okay for himself so far. Um, it, it's a whole different attitude to sort of you and what you bring to the table. And that's really striking because it's the same people. You know, it's, it's coming back to where I went to school. It's not like I, you know, moved away and went to another place. You know, it's the same people. Um, and Rebecca, as you know, Ghana is really small. Um, yeah. in terms of, um, you know, the people that you see constantly. So that is really something that struck me um, coming back. But, you know, um, socially, uh, one thing, and and this is most sort of obvious in um, when you have a career in, in creatives or um, um, sports, right? It's, it's because the, the rise is so quick. You know, you go mm-hmm. from sleeping on your couch to, um, you know, having uh, two million dollars wired to your account um, because you signed a mega deal or, or because you have a hit record, right? Um, so that's always more profound. But even when you, you have a career, um, everyday, everyday career, um, you're still at this point where um, it just not really explain how it happens. But it's just, it's just one of those things that people start to take notice. And especially for me, I'm very sort of, um, active on social media, and I'm very intentional about posting what I do and, and the things that I'm, you know, um, able to do, the places that I'm able to go to, and things like that. And um, you quickly notice that people want to be associated with people who are doing well, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and that um, association happens in various ways. It happens uh, professionally, it happens socially. Um, and, and I think that's where it comes from, you know, where people... Um, you know I'm working with so-and- so on so-and so um, project and and you know and and there's an element of it which is inevitable for example you guys wouldn't have invited me to this podcast if you didn't think I had something interesting to say right mm-hmm. um, and and that's that's normal but for me where it becomes a bit with the same person that you knew two years ago they didn't think anything of you all of a sudden <laughs> um, thinks the world of you and 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 can't stop sort of inviting you to things and and saying how amazing you are
2: so yeah yeah no that that 100% 100 makes a lot of sense um so I guess slightly moving away from you know um these conversations about your journey and your failures um and maybe a little bit more onto the work you're doing um as you mentioned earlier on about you know looking for ways to economically advance different African countries
1: I was wondering how you personally would define success and failure for the context of nation states. Like, how do we define a successful country? If that makes sense. That's
0: a that's that's a great question. Um, I think, uh, and and you know, I'm I see the world in a certain way. I'm sure people disagree. Um, and you know, we're all trying to do the same thing, which is help. You know, these countries progress. Um, and people have different ways of, you know, what they call progression might be different. But but I think we spend a lot of time um, as uh, young people idealizing um, sort of what success should look like in the nation states, right? And And we want everything all at once, right? But we lack this recognition that, honestly, Nation-state building, or sort of, or, or nation building, um, is incredibly difficult. And not only is it incredibly difficult, but it's 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 probably the most difficult thing to do, full stop, on earth. Like, honestly, because there's so many different things. Like, imagine running a company and the millions of things that you need to think about, right? Okay, imagine running a company the size of Ghana, right? Um, in terms of the number of employees, you know what I mean. And and, and then yeah. think about how what that is and then think about all the challenges that already exist the history the culture the ways of doing things that you need to get rid of that you need to change the reform process it's 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 crazy but then what's even more important in all of this and i think is an important consideration is the fact that hey no matter what you think the the state the the, the nation states that we're looking at now and thinking these are amazing countries that have done really well um, had very ugly chapters in their history and, and those yeah. ugly chapters played an integral role in getting them to where they are today. And if, if you think about China at the moment and what they're doing, and people keep saying, oh, China, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? <laughs> Honestly, if you look at the, the playbook that China is using at the moment, it's exactly the same playbook that the Western countries used back exactly. then. But it's it's just back then, there was no social yeah. media. There was no... <laughs> there, there were very few human rights groups. You know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah. and, and that is the part of this that is very difficult to confront because all of us want countries where we're not violating people's human rights right but but what happens right and 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 again i'm not doing this but i'll, I'll <laughs> here. but um what happens when you're you come up with a national sort of development plan right let's say you know the three of us are ministers within the government and we come up with a national development, <laughs> development plan and we put it forward and then next thing you know, there's a civil war, right? Because there's, there's a part of the country that doesn't want to share their their resources. And you need those resources in order to finance the national development plan that you've just put out, right? What do you do, right? You fight the civil war because you know that's your only option. And then because you fight the civil war very well, and you end up sort of getting rid of a whole bunch of people, it becomes a human rights violation and it becomes genocide and, and so on and so forth. Now, are genuine cases of genocide, of course, I'm not, you know, um, saying that those don't exist. But these are the very difficult choices that countries need to make in terms of nation-building. So defining, even defining what success looks like is difficult. And, and even thinking about how to get there is even more complex and, and even more difficult. But, but for me, I, I see it in no other way than improving people's um, ability to take care of themselves. Right. Reducing the dependency of the country and its people on others, you know, and and to me, that's one of the most important parts of nation building is, you know, um, how do we create this um, reduction in economic dependence, both of the country um, and also its citizens? Um,
2: so I guess just before we kind of wrap up, um we like to leave listeners, you know, with a final piece of advice, um, or wisdom or something to think about, you know, from, you know, any area of your life, any, any type of experience you've had. So what would a final piece of advice be if you had to leave it the listeners?
0: Um, I think to be honest, um, you know, and it's related to the name of this podcast, right. Is that failures are part of success. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, one thing that, um, our generation needs to get used to is the fact that um not every success is is what it seems you know in terms of when you look at other people's success right so don't try and um look at other people and think oh you know all of a sudden they're announcing this mega deal that they signed you don't know the fact that they spent two years working on that deal you know and then what they went through and you know you don't know if they got kicked out of the room the first time they went there you don't know if you know, the person that gave them the contract slapped them before they gave them the contract. You, you have no idea. So, <laughs> you know, so, so so the best thing you can do is focus on you, be inspired by other people's success and their greatness, but don't think it's going to be a roadmap for your success because your success is going to look different. And and that, it, recognizing that and acting accordingly would not on, will not only set you up to be more successful, but will also save you a lot of, Sort of heartache and and um, sort of uh, mental issues because you're 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 not going to be able to stand the fact that you're struggling um, to have the same level of success that other people are in the same time frame with the same you know <laughs> Instagram caption with the same lighting and you know it's, it's, just, it's just it's just not it's just not going to happen and and for me that's I think. Um, going forward, I think that's the most important thing to remember is just, you know, um, success uh, Success comes usually after failure and some of my biggest success, uh, successes have come after some of my biggest failures because that's the best way to learn. I mean, um, you can give advice to someone all day, but allow them to go through one failure and, and that is better than a thousand pieces of advice. So um, I think that's, that's what I would say. I love that. Thank,
1: Thank you so much. <laughs> That was amazing, and this has been such a good discussion. I'm feeling very inspired. But, yes, thank you so much, (laughs) Maldo, for coming on. Um, I hope you enjoyed yourself and all the listeners. Yes, I did. Great. Um, And all our listeners, thank you so much for joining us again. Um, We will be back next week. And, of course, follow Maldo, follow his time years. Um, We're so happy to have him on, and we will see you all next week. Bye, guys.